Today, I'm talking with Gail Cardin-Jones about claiming your worthiness and a couple of the techniques she uses with her clients. We discuss replacing trauma, drama, scripts with positive emotions and empowering scripts, for example, and about why she felt the need to rebrand her business in 2020. Stay tuned. You're listening to Espresso Jams, short, concentrated, delicious conversations about business, technology, and entrepreneurship. If you're just starting out on your business adventure or you're a seasoned business professional, I'm sure you'll find value in these short conversations. Espresso Jams is brought to you by Apexable, providing the tools, insights, and transformative structures to help you reach your business summit. I'm your host, Joe Matz. Let's get started. And welcome to another edition of Espresso Jams. Today, we have a very exciting edition going on because I have with me Gail Jones. She is a coach, so we could call her Coach Gail Jones. She is an intuitive coach, how about that? Gifted wordsmith and inspiring teacher who has been leading clients through transformations for more than 20 years. She's also the author of two books. Welcome to the show, Gail. Delighted to be here, Joe. It's really yeah. fun to share with another entrepreneur. Yeah, we have had such great conversations and, and really short conversations about things. Mm-hmm. We've gone through some similar experiences throughout our mm-hmm. business career. It's been so, very exciting to share our, our ships and our businesses. Yeah, so Gail, where do you hail from today? Well, I'm from Cary, North Carolina today and originally from Boston. Originally from Boston. And did you, why did you move away from Boston? Just real quick, just curious. I went away originally to Arizona to finish my book, Cancer as a Love Story. And I was there for three and a half years writing in a casita, kind of fun. I had to check out from the world to do that work. Um, But the desert isn't for me. I missed the four seasons. So I, and, but my kids weren't coming back to Boston. So there was no draw. And North Carolina, I love the outdoors. I hike every day. It just fit the lifestyle of an entrepreneur who loves the outdoors. Oh, it is great. I love this area. I'm in the Raleigh area also. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned a word. You were in a casita? Yeah, that's like a um, what we would call it here is like a guest home. Oh, okay. So I lived uh, in the front of the home was like a million dollar home with a with a dentist and his wife. And then they had this little casita, which was like a little European guest house in the back. And I was in total solitude to write the book. Wow. Well, that actually sounds really nice. Sometimes, sometimes it got lonely, but yes, but it, was important. it was important for focus because I worked on it for five years and I was determined to get it done in year five. Yeah. So you were there for three and a half years? Yes. In isolation? Well, not total isolation. Okay. No, I had friends there and I worked and, um, but I had a commitment to finish that book. Okay. And so you go ahead. That actually became an adventure because when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2012, um, I, I was a calling to deliver that book. It was I never I never wanted to share the story. It was going to be a personal journey, and then other people said, "You're a writer, Gail. You know, just get it down." And then three weeks after my back to me, I got the download of the book name "Cancer is a Love Story." But I had lived in the same home for 20 years. I'm not the type of person that would just pick up and move cross country. But I just had to reinvent myself totally. I just had to get away from the cancer. I had to get away from. I was a coach on Boston radio. Um, I just had to get away and find the new me because cancer is a wake up call to claim your new self. 
Sure. We want to get into that, certainly. Yeah. But how is it that you became a coach? Did, did you start your, your work career as a coach? No, I started my work as, as a journalist. And then I was a high-tech PR executive. And high-tech isn't really my thing, mm. um, even though I did very well in it. And so I took a year off to decide what I wanted to do after uh, that. And I had career tests done and they came up coach, teacher, physical therapist, the helping professions. And I always knew I was a nurturer by nature, which is kind of why I struggled as a high, te- high tech PR exec, even though I was very successful, I was missing sharing that side of me. And then I started teaching classes with a therapist on transition um, back in Boston. And one of the gentlemen in the class said, you know what, you should be a coach. That's really what you're doing. So I went and did my coach training and I always wrote as I was coaching, like I always took on marketing projects and things, especially for my coaching clients, because I knew them really well. So I could write their bio or their press release. Um, But coaching is really intuitive to me because it's a culmination of a healing journey I went on myself. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So you're taking your your knowledge experience and and expertise Mm -hmm. and, and life experiences Life experience, which I think is really important. That's that's where the intuitive part comes in. You know, wisdom is often earned through adversity. Hmm. And, um, you know, I can talk about all my credentials, my certifications, my techniques and my tools, but it's really um, the lessons I learned from going inward and healing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So when you were working and you decided you, you needed to to branch out on your own and you you started talking about transformation right away. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Is that what I understood? Yes. And it was back, you know, it was back a couple decades ago when people didn't know the word transition. Now the whole world understands uh, transition, but the whole world still does not know how to stay in the middle zone of transition, which is the neutral zone. I call it, which is the name of my next book, Space for Grace. When you let go of one way of being and then step into a new way of being, it's not A to B. And if you don't make space for grace and you don't give yourself permission, and courage to stay in the unknown, you're more likely to repeat the past. So the unknown is our most creative place to have a new beginning, although it's the toughest place for those people that are driven and motivated and action-oriented to stay. Yeah, so you've written a couple of books. Do they talk about transition? Are you writing on surviving the challenges and, and the cancer? I'd say they're all related. My first book was called To Hell and Back, Healing Your Way Through Transition. It was four transitions, career change, um, becoming a mother, coping with death of loved ones, um, and reinventing yourself. Cancer is a love story. The first third is for somebody newly diagnosed, but the second and third parts of the book are based on my training in neuroscience, rewiring your brain for a new outcome, A lot of people that read that book tell me, a lot of men especially, tell me they wish they read it when they started their retirement so they'd understand what's happening. Um, But that book is really based on clearing your emotional stressors because whether you've had cancer or not, a lot of us have a lot of stress and you can't create a new holding on to the old. And even in the cancer journey, Um, People will tell me my journey is pretty um, balanced. I did conventional and alternative, but I will tell people, even if you do the chemo and radiation, which I did not do, um, it doesn't clear the emotional stressors. So you need to do that part. And 
Then when you're rewiring the brain for a new outcome, how do you know what the new looks like? So it's really important to teach people what elevated emotions look like, what wholeness feels like. And that's what people tell me they get out of the book. Most people tell me they like the chapters where I share very personal stories of transforming my own beliefs. So I walk you through how I did it so you can do it. So is there any quick trick to letting go of what I used to call, you know, Gail, I, I just thought of this. You made me think of this. I haven't heard this term in quite a while, but we used to say he's got a lot of baggage or she's right. got a lot of baggage. Is that term, am I just out of the loop? Well, I think it's still used. And if when, it, when somebody tells you they have no baggage, I don't believe them because you can't live this many years in life and not have a challenge that's somewhat unresolved sometimes. Um, but there is a there is a quick trick, not a trick, I'd say a tool. I use EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. It's a tapping technique where you tap on nine meridian points that help release the trauma drama from the body. But I do it much differently than a lot of other people because after I clear the stress or the trauma drama for the client, then I instill, I tap in the empowering new beliefs and then elevated emotions that they might not be aware of, like awe, wonder, joy. Um, they might not have ever used those words before. And the wow. other thing about EFT, you can Google it, you can download a script, you know, people will do that. But EFT works best when it's customized and specific to the client. So when I'm listening to you tell me your story, I'm connecting many dots. It's like putting together a puzzle piece. But when I share the statements with you that we're going to clear, they're highly customized to you. It's not the same statements a client's going to, next client's going to hear in two hours. And then even when I get the empowering new words to instill, they're specific to you. And it, it's, a, it's almost like a divine download. It gets channeled to me. It it just it's because I've been doing it so long. But the word I pick, the words I pick for you, aren't the words I pick for another client. Is and then are those words almost like a mantra, like it, like in a meditating mantra that that is repeated over the the course of the meditation? I uh, well, EFT isn't exactly a meditation; it's a clearing. But I do give clients at the end after we finish the clearing, and it can go from thirty minutes to forty five minutes. Um, or even an hour, because I might do several rounds. Because when you do EFT, you you rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10. Like if I say, Joe, how stressed are you today? And you said a 10, we're gonna tap till we get it to a three or under. So if we don't get it to a three or under, there's an underlying issue. So it might be the next session. And the other thing I do differently is 90 minute sessions uh, in coaching, because I feel like when you check in with the client, feel like what's going on, and then, you know, you're like 20 minutes in and then the subconscious is opening to beautiful information and you start telling it and sharing, you know, your pain or something. I don't want to say, see you next week. I go right in and you get a healing usually the first session. But back to the mantra question, um, after we do the EFT, I create mantras for the client to focus on during the week oh, okay. based on specifically what we did. And I'll say, it's very important to say these the first five minutes in the morning and the five minutes before you go to bed at night. Actually, the five minutes before you go to bed at night are the most important five minutes of your day because it's like downloading the software into the hardware, your brain. Yeah. I'd even say if you're agitated, um, don't, you know, get up and walk around so you can get calm enough to say some very empowering statements before so you, you go to bed. You've got to be in the right mindset before you start that so you can walk around yeah. a little bit to, to raise the level yes. of your mindset. Yes. So maybe mantra wasn't the right word. Maybe some, if I use a word like affirmations. Yes. 
Okay, that's, I'm glad you said that because one thing I do differently. So one of the affirmations I would say around worthiness, because that's my new platform, which we can talk about later. I want to talk about that. Yes. Okay. okay. But yeah. one of the mantras I tell everybody is to say, I allow myself to know I'm worthy. And I want to explain mm -hmm. why I use the word allow versus I am worthy, which is an affirmation. When you're first creating a new belief in the mind and it doesn't believe it, right? Mm -hmm. There's resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So say when my first book came out and I said, I'm a best-selling author. Well, that doesn't usually happen on a first book, especially back in 2004 when we didn't have all the social media when my first book came out. and um, It's setting up a resistance. If I say I allow myself to be a best-selling author, one, I'm allowing for the possibility. So I allow for a bridge to form the new neural pathway in the brain without resistance. And also I allow the whole universe to support me. It's not my will. Like I'm going to make this happen. Like I'm, I'm embracing any way this can happen. So I like, so I would encourage anybody listening today to have as their mantra, I allow myself to know I'm worthy because most of us had had or have a worthiness issue at some point in our life. Sure. Sure. You know, sure. I remember when I started my language school and it was just me hanging up eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper on wow. businesses on their, on their windows saying, Hey, if you want to learn English, call Joe. Right. But I never thought of myself as an English teacher. I've mm -hmm. always thought of myself as the owner of a language school. Right. And that was kind of like my affirmation that I went through. It wasn't, I didn't use the word allow. That's, I find that very, very interesting and constructive. Mm -hmm. um, but I always thought, of, I didn't voice it. That's the thing. I didn't tell right. anyone because they said, Joe, hey. it's just you doing private lessons. Hey. I'm like, yeah. They would have thought I was crazy, right? Which which is, mm -hmm. some, some people say, that's how you know you have a good goal. Right, right. right. So... Let's talk about claim your worthiness. Is, mm -hmm. Am I using that terminology correctly? Yes. It's the name of my website, claimyourworthiness.com. Okay. It's the name of my podcast, Claim Your Worthiness, Intimate Conversations with Gail Jones. Um, and it's my YouTube channel, Claim Your Worthiness, um, Gail Jones. Um, but how that came about, and that's very interesting, Joe. I'm glad you brought it up because it's, you know, the transitions of business. Like I rebranded my business in 2000. 20 around so I have a 20 year coaching business and in 2020 I rebranded around claim your worthiness and the reason I did that is when I was diagnosed with a breast cancer and was exploring the alternative route three different doctors a naturopath and two other energy healers within three weeks gave me the same message that claiming your worthiness to live can extend your longevity and then I I did a deep dive on my own journey after that and realized all the ways I didn't think I was worthy um, you know, externally, you know, as editor of the college award-winning news magazine, I was a very successful high-tech PR exec, even as a coach on Boston radio. But inside, when I took a really deep look at this worthiness piece, I realized that there was a very scared little girl in there that was running ragged. Um, I had a schizophrenic mom, so I lived in fight or flight most of my life. And I kept on thinking, oh, the external achievements, it's going to overcompensate. It doesn't. It just represses those emotions. So, and then I took a hard look at my clients up until that point, And I realized when most people come, they're usually stuck um, either in a career transition a relationship, a divorce, or, you know, they're in between something, but most of them lacked a sense of worthiness. And again, what I'll say about worthiness from studying this very deeply for nine years is that you did nothing wrong that you don't feel worthy. You just didn't get the core basic conditioning the first six to seven years of life. So my belief is 
whatever you're trying to manifest in your life, build the foundation of worthiness first so that you're worthy of that. Like even when I have a client do a vision board, I have them put in capital letters because the brain sees best in capital letters, I am worthy. Because you want to feel worthy of that vision. Sure, sure. Uh, but because I'm so passionate about this subject and we could talk about the rebranding too and what's involved, but this, this is one message I would like everybody to have about worthiness for themselves and their children. To feel worthy, we have to be seen, heard, acknowledged, and validated. So you can take all, and I did as a coach, many years, trainings, presentations, read every self-help book. In order to fully integrate a sense of worthiness, you have to be witnessed. So that's why I created a six package, six session package of worthiness in my coaching. But people think they can do it on their own. It's really hard to do it on their own because the reason you don't have worthiness or an adequate sense of worthiness is you weren't lovingly witnessed and seen, heard, validated, and acknowledged. So I would just encourage all of us to um, find somebody that can mirror us in that way or have people with capacity that can hold us in that way, whether we're in the higher life or the lower life, the valley or the mountaintop, and to teach our kids those words. Look them right in the eyes. When they have an emotion to express, see them, hear them, validate and acknowledge them, even if you don't agree with what they're saying. Like just put, let them Put down your phone. And listen to yes. your children, have a real conversation. And look in their eyes and be present. Yeah. I think presence, presence is the best gift we can give anybody. So yeah. when we're talking about worthiness, and I know that that is a deep, and, and please correct me if I'm saying anything wrong. Yeah. It sounds like a very deep emotional um, aspect of someone's personality and emotional tapestry, often hidden often behind a wall, especially for men where, you know, we're yes. still in that macho type. We have to show Provide that we're strong, no emotions. A lot of, a lot of my friends grew up with parents, a father who never showed emotion. Only right. babies cry, only girls cry kind of thing. Right. And so we suffer by, by repressing that. Right. But how would someone, and uh, maybe I took an extreme example there, but how would someone know that Perhaps worthiness is an issue. What Are there symptoms? Right. Are there ways you could tell? Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to address two things. First, the male piece. Mm -hmm. So in Boston, when I was coaching on Boston Radio, 90% of my clients were men. And this is this is just my gut. There's no, there's no scientific evidence to this. But I believe the reason that is, is that men felt comfortable going to a coach. They grew up with a basketball coach, a baseball coach, a football coach. Uh -huh. So saying you're going to see a coach today didn't have the stigma of, you're going to see a therapist. Okay, um, makes sense. Even though I, I widely, you know, believe in therapy um, for different reasons than coaching, but um, they had no stigma to it. So I just want to address that with the, the male piece. Um, so some of the ways unworthiness looks, I think that would be most helpful. Yes. Is um, we tend to be overgivers. So what happens with an overgiver, first of all, you get, you get burned out and exhausted after a, a period of time. Um is in a relationship, overgivers tend to attract takers. So there's not a balance in the relationship. And at first it feels really good, you know, to be able to give or help somebody. And a lot of uh, people in the helping professions tend to be overgivers. As a matter of fact, a lot of women that get diagnosed with breast cancer are in the helping professions. They're, they're so conditioned to nurture and give to others at the expense of themselves. So it's coming back and making yourself a priority and that you're worthy of being a priority. Um, other ways um, unworthiness shows up is the inability to say no. 
when actually saying no to you is a yes to me, or no is the end of a sentence. It goes back to, it's okay for you to be a priority. And I love this line, and I wish I remember who said it, but being centered in self is not the same as being self-centered. Oh, very nice. Yes. Yes. I like that. And I think it's really important for people to know because the more centered you are in yourself, the more you really do have to give to somebody, the more present you can be to somebody, right? The more you can see, hear, acknowledge, and validate them, right? Yes. Um, I think also, this is just my observation, people with unworthiness um, expect to be disappointed, not pleased. That's a huge one because you've been disappointed for all those years that you weren't seen, heard, validated, and acknowledged. Again, this is subconscious a lot, right? You mentioned the subconscious. Yes. So that you go out and you, you pursue a new dream or a new goal, you can give it your all, but underneath you could have a subconscious belief that I'm going to be disappointed no matter what happens. So allowing yourself, again, another mantra, I allow myself to be pleased. And then what I suggest people do with these mantras is it's not just saying them, because to create a new neural pathway in the brain, it's through repetition. Like that, we know it takes 45 to 63 days to change a single belief. I think it could take a lot longer depending on your age or shorter. You know, and I've coached 18 year olds. Sometimes they get it pretty quickly. Um, but also track evidence. So if I'm allowing myself to be pleased, right, I'm going to track evidence every day of when I'm pleased. Okay, and, and that's important because are you setting up a habit that way by recognizing when you're pleased? Right, you're training the brain. Instead of looking for disappointment, you're training the brain to look at being pleased. And also the physical act, it's not the same as just typing it on a computer or talking it into a phone. The physical act of writing down the evidence, even evidence of allowing myself to know I'm worthy, what showed up today that I felt worthy, um, that allows for the new neural pathway to form. It takes up to 20 seconds for a new neural pathway to start forming. So as you're writing that, you're opening the possibility to create a new neural pathway. Uh, okay, very good, very interesting. So yeah. we could go on for a long time yeah. about this, but yes. we have a few minutes and I'd like to talk about when you decided to rebrand yourself and what was going on that led up? I mean. We say change can happen in an instant, but oftentimes it takes a while for that change to manifest, to come through and, right. and um, expose itself to the physical world. Right. So what was going on that made you feel like you needed to rebrand? Okay, so first of all, my business was originally called supportmatters.com, which is pretty good for a coaching business. Okay, yes. business. But I felt like I had a calling when I got the worthiness piece and realized this really does create shifts. Oh, I have to say one other important thing about worthiness. Some of the most success, quote unquote, successful people have the greatest issues with worthiness because they've looked for external validation. Worthiness is an inside job and it comes from within. It doesn't, there's no job, there's no career, there's no spouse, there's nobody that can give you that sense of worthiness besides yourself. So it's inward um, and you have to, you have to claim it. And you claim it often by reparenting yourself, which is a whole different piece. But I knew I had a calling. I, and I also felt that the worthiness was my legacy to bring it to adults so adults can bring it to children. I felt like I don't want any child ever to grow up not knowing they're worthy. I know it's a very big mission, but the more we can get it, teach the parents and the adults now, we have a mental health crisis in this country 
that isn't really widely being addressed. One out of four teenagers, according to the CDC, are, have, have thoughts of suicide. And the pandemic, what we're seeing in young children, eight to 10, they're now having suicidal thoughts as a result of the pandemic and the challenges that they felt. And there's a two-year social emotional development delay. So like a four-year-old can be acting, reacting like a two-year-old, even an 18-year-old, like a 16-year-old. So, but these didn't start just now. So these subconscious limiting beliefs are form the first zero to six to seven years of life. Um, and I guess they're exasperated by the world conditions right now, obviously. It's been challenging for many people. I don't want to underestimate that. But why aren't we teaching this? This should be prerequisite to anything, sure. anything. So sure. no matter what your upbringing was, you can claim this worthiness. So it became a mission. And then I realized Support Matters was was great and it you know built my coaching practice, but it didn't express the um, the passion I have for reaching people okay. and knowing this works. Well, claim your worthiness sounds more specific, right? Than your previous name, right? And I think sometimes you know somebody said, "Oh, you'll, you're it's going to hurt your business because then you won't get other clients," and nobody wants to come to you because nobody wants to admit that they're not worthy, so they won't come. Um, and I went back and forth on that. And then, sure. the, then the mission and the purpose felt much more important. And everybody has struggled with worthiness or self as 85% of people have a self-esteem issue in one area of your life at some point. So I thought it was important to address it. Yeah. It's and, where and, change happens. Right. Well, we'll have to come back and talk about the challenges of rebranding yourself and how to overcome those. Um, but we don't have time for that. I'd love to dig deep into that. I we just don't want to do that today. Okay. Um, but I, I know do, you rebranded yourself too. So yeah, we'll do that. another. Yeah. Time. We'll have, maybe we'll invite some other folks and we'll really, yes. we'll really talk about the challenges, right? Yeah. That'd be fun. What projects or special passion projects maybe that you have going on right now, Gail? Well, I have uh, my book space for grace, the way out is in, which started before the pandemic, but again, uh, to teach people to give themselves permission to stay in the unknown. But it's really a faith journey of, uh, you know, when I reached the end and things weren't happening and the right opportunity would appear, the right person would appear, the right resource would appear. And often it's really about time in the valley, you know, when you lower, lower parts of life, when things aren't happening and you're in a very hurtful place and the internal climb to the mountaintop and how things are delivered to you. So that's one project. Um, I have a signature presentation called A Journey to the Heart of Worthiness, which I taught. I trained 250 uh, coaches of HeartMath UK. HeartMath is a major organization in the U.S. as well um, on that presentation. And I'd love to bring that presentation to other people. It's part of my coaching program, obviously. But when I do that presentation, the members, and there were 250 people online when I did HeartMath, I did the live EFT clearing with 250 people. Wow. And that was really profound what I got for responses. And the other thing is when we're, um, this is a very interesting statistic from the Mind Body Program for Cancer, which I was in for three months um, when I was first diagnosed. But those that are in a Mind Body Program, which is different than a support group, it's much more intentional, um, can extend the longevity, their prog prognosis by two to two and a half times. That's evidence-based because that program is affiliated with Harvard University, so it was tracked. So. Before the pandemic, I used to teach a lot of groups, guided meditation circles, uh, not just cancer, but anything. There was two guys in the group, 
that wanted relationships and they each got married, not to each other, but they each got married. Um, there was a guy who hadn't worked in two years and he got a $250,000 contract. So the collective energy of us being together, like even now, this is much more vibrant, you know, that we're sharing this together. Uh, the more, you know, we're with like-minded others, it accelerates. So um, I'd like to bring my journey to the heart of worthiness to more people and um, both online and in person as we can get out more because I do like the in-person energy of small groups. Sure. Well, this is a great segue to my next question. Okay. Do you have any gifts or anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Yes, I would love to give them my five tips on claiming your worthiness, which they can get by emailing me, Gail Jones, at claimyourworthiness.com. And if they could just put in the subject line, espresso jazz, espresso. Jams. I like the jazz. Hey, jazz is all right, but it's espresso jam. Well, it feels so alive, so I got into the jazz. But yes, name of your podcast in the uh, subject line that would be great and i will get that right out to them okay and we'll put that all that information and how to get in touch with you in the show notes okay so for folks who are listening and they don't want to go to the show notes what's the best yeah. way to get in touch with you okay so i'm coach gail jones on linkedin i'm, I'm sorry, coach gail jones on facebook and instagram on linkedin i'm gail Curran jones and Curran is spelled k-a-u-r-a-n-e-n because that was my byline as a journalist Okay. Very good. And again, that'll be in the show notes. Gail, it has been wonderful having you on the show. I can't wait to have you back. We, there's so much to talk about. Joe, it's great to be here. Really. It's really fun sharing with another entrepreneur who has so much passion for life and serving others as well. So yeah, thank so you. I feel the same way. Thank you. Bye now. And bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Espresso Jams. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on your preferred channel. Never miss another episode. If you'd like more business tips on technology, entrepreneurship, and doing better, you can find me on LinkedIn at Joe Matz, that's J-O-E-M-A-T-Z, or go to my website, apexable.com, that's apex-able.com. I'm your host, Joe Matz, wishing you an awesome day.